From the headquarters of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, this is Capital and Scott. I'm your host, Laura Farrar. It's Wednesday, March 9th. Today I'm speaking with Allison Hogue, who is the new managing editor at the Democrat Gazette. She started the new position at the beginning of March. Allison has worked at the newspaper for more than four decades and is here today to talk about her work as a reporter and editor and what she plans to do in her new position as managing editor. So, Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. First of all, uh, for people who don't work in the media industry, what does a managing editor do exactly? Well, it's pretty simple. You manage the newsroom. Uh, it puts you in a position at the top that, for example, uh, somebody has a question, an ethical issue about what to put in the story, or they've got a personnel issue, or there's some event that's happened and we need to cover that event. The managing editor basically has their fingers in all the pies and has the ultimate say-so in how all these things will be managed. Now, there I do have a boss who's an executive editor, Eliza Gaines. She's on leave right now. So uh, even though I do have the ability to consult with her about some things, she put me in charge so that I can run the newsroom while she's out of the office. But even when she comes back from her leave, I'll be overseeing all the day-to-day operations, making decisions about what goes on page one and what order those stories should be there. Like I said, uh, you know, handling any of the ethical issues, legal issues, style issues, questions about, you know, somebody comes to you and says we have this problem. One of the things I'd say about it is, is you're a you're a firefighter. I've, I've said it about myself. Others have said the same thing too. You're a firefighter. You're you're mending fences all day long. You've been in the business here at the Democrat Gazette for 43 years. The paper has changed uh, since when you first started. So can you talk a little bit about you know why you decided to enter journalism and what things were sort of like back then uh, with this organization versus versus now? All right. Well, first of all, there were two newspapers in town. We were in the middle of a newspaper war when I started here. It was, it was in 1979 when I first came here. Uh, it was the Arkansas Gazette. I signed up and worked for, to work for the Arkansas Democrat. I started here as a city desk clerk. My job was to come in, take orders from the head clerk that usually included writing obituaries, which were free at the time to subscribers, but that you had to write them according to a certain style. So it was a good place to learn how what the, what the style was, when you abbreviate street and not road and, and that kind of thing. So from there, I took the job because the way that the ad for the position read is you could learn uh, reporting skills and you'd be able to do stories. It was a way that the, that the, the people running, the, the managing editor at the time, John Robert Starr, one of the ways that he came up with to find people to come work for the newspaper was to have these clerical positions. I mean, we did also hire people as reporters and copy editors. So you could come in as a clerk, and if you if you had the gumption to say, I want to write a story, they'd let you see whether you could do anything. And if they liked what you did, then you could get promoted to reporter, which is what happened to me. I was here for six months. That happened. Uh, and then within a year of being here, I was assigned to the Capitol Bureau. Now, at that time, there was no internet, there, was, there were no cell phones, 
Uh, we didn't even have the kinds of computers that we have now. We had what we called dumb terminals. Basically, a, a, a VDT that you could call up a story and edit the story with crude commands. And I should also add that even at that time, while we had, we had to type things on paper, feed it through a machine called the scanner, make our corrections in the scanner, and then our editor would call it up. It, it got to be something like a big deal to be actually be able to sit at a, at a terminal and look at your story in the first few years that I was here. But eventually we did get better and better front-end systems. And you know now we have regular personal computers like everybody else has. But other ways that um, technology changed, like I said, was we didn't have the internet. So if you wanted to look somebody up, you had to figure out, you had to make phone calls. You had to go look up records in person. If you wanted to look at records at the courthouse, you had to go to the courthouse where those records were and ask for them because that that stuff wasn't available on the internet because there was no internet. Legislative audits, you can look those up online now. Back then, you had to go actually get a, a, a paper copy of the audit. Uh, so back in those days, there there was a lot of legwork involved. There was no social media, so you'd have to make you know contact with people. You'd have to have conversations with people, and I would say that that you know that was a good thing back then. <clears throat> and it's one of those things that you know today we try to work with people. You know, it's good to have different ways to reach out to people, but sometimes you do need to do the old shoe leather kind of you know, handshake, eye contact kind of thing with, with people. Things changed eventually to where we've come up today where we're, you know, able people are able to read our product online and, uh, you know, in eventually we'll, we'll get to a point where, you know, it'll be very hard to come up with a find. I mean, it's hard now to find a print edition of the paper. Uh, but, you know, that's we're going to be a news service rather than a newspaper is where we're headed eventually. Sure. I wanted to touch briefly upon the newspaper war that happened when you first joined the paper uh, in 1979. You were with the Arkansas Democrat and then there was the Arkansas Gazette. Right. And a lot of people, you know, I think affiliate journalism has a history of sort of checkered past. You think and even today you might think of the New York Post and sort of the New York Daily News in terms of newspaper wars. But it was pretty intense here for a while between these two different publications. Briefly, what what exactly happened and sort of what, what were some of the tactics that were used to uh, to have a lot of competition and to kind of have a, a winner emerge? Well, one of the things that we did was we had a larger news hole than the Gazette had. And first of all, let me back up. The, when I started here, the Democrat was an afternoon newspaper. The Gazette was a morning newspaper. It was treated as, well, you know, the, the Democrat was considered to be the lesser of the two newspapers here. The Gazette was considered to be a more elite paper. You know, it was like the authority on things. So, you know, you, you take both newspapers just to... For especially since we were an afternoon newspaper, you know, to get whatever happened that day and be able to read it in the evening. But where things changed was we became a morning newspaper. We had a larger news hole than the Gazette did. We actually had a slogan on our, our front page that said we were Arkansas's largest newspaper, which really irritated the Gazette people because they felt like, you know, circulation is what determines if you're the, quote, largest newspaper. But our mission was 
we were going to have everything the Gazette had and plus our, our own news as well. So that was the goal. When I got this promotion, somebody put out on Twitter, they remembered what it was like working for me that, you know, they would, about they had turned in, you know, three or four stories that day. They were very proud of what they had done. And then I said, yeah, but you didn't have this story over here. But that was the kind of thing we all heard in the newsroom uh, was you had to have more details than the Gazette did. You had to have more numbers in there. So there was an emphasis on having, you know, like I said, it's more news than they did. That was the thing that, that we had that could set us apart from them. Some other things that we also did we had uh, some of the tactics that were done in other departments of the paper. For example, we gave away a free copy of the paper to every person, every household in Pulaski County. It was called the TMC or the Total Market Coverage Edition. And so, you know, there were people who complained. They didn't, they already had the paper. Why were they getting this other paper thrown in, in their yard? That might have generated some additional subscribers. Uh, we also had, uh, the Gazette had classified ads and we had classified ads but then we came up with well let's have free classified ads so unless you were a business selling something if you were a person who you know had puppies for sale you could get a free ad in the newspaper that helped with the circulation it made our our classified section very large because obviously a lot of people you know and that but that these are all things that tactics that we used the two newspapers at the in the beginning of the war were owned by two different families Walter Hussman and the Patterson family and eventually the Patterson family sold out to Gannett and so we had about five more years left in the newspaper war before Gannett decided that they didn't like the losses here anymore and they got out so then they shut down the Arkansas Gazette and Walter Hussman bought the assets uh, of the Gazette. Right. And, and for those who might not know, Walter Hussman is still the current, He's the current owner publisher. and publisher of uh, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette today. Right. So that's how we became the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And how things have evolved was we had the economic difficulties in the early 2000s. And what happened was that with the growth of the Internet, people started moving to the Internet to look for jobs, buy cars, buy houses. So that shrank our advertising. So that's how we had to change how we were getting our revenue for the company because we couldn't rely on advertising so much. And so that's when Walter eventually developed this program for, you know, you could subscribe to the paper, get an iPad, and you'd have access to features that you couldn't get in the print edition. Right. So before we move to what's going on with digital at the paper or the news agency, whatever we're calling it today, <laughs> as things have changed, because we don't have much of a physical paper daily anymore. Um, just looking back over 43 years, there are, I'm sure, a lot of stories that you've covered, but some you and I have discussed before that I found really interesting and mind-blowing the the one that came to mind first was this this murder spree this guy went on and i think it was russellville right can you just share a couple of the stories or highlights that just sort of stand out in terms of events that happened in arkansas that people might not be aware of they're pretty shocking yes there was a, a man who lived at, with his family just north of russellville and his name was ronald gene simmons and uh, he had a rather large family and so it turned out that he he had murdered every member of his family over the Christmas holidays of 1987. 
and he was at home for a little while and then decided to go into Russellville and start shooting some people there. He ended up injuring four people and uh, and killing two more. So his total death toll was 16 people, 14 members of his family. Those included, you know, every child he had, every grandchild and his wife. And some of his children were grown, so they had spouses who had come with, you know, his children to the holidays and uh, to the family house. And, you know, so those those in-laws also were uh, murdered as well. Nobody ever knew exactly what it was that compelled him to do this. Much of the speculation was uh, centered over the possibility that his wife, whose name was Becky, was about to leave him. Of the children that he had, his eldest daughter was someone that he had molested when she was a teenager. He'd gotten her pregnant. So her daughter was actually his his daughter, too. It's his daughter and his granddaughter. And so uh, so that daughter had, had moved away and married somebody. And so he had the, the next oldest daughter in line was people were concerned that he was going to start molesting her because I think she was about 14. So the thought was, was that these everybody was going to come home for the holidays one more time and then his wife was going to leave him and all the kids were going to leave him. Somehow he got wind of this and he killed everybody. The first we found out about the deaths in the in the family was he had uh, he'd gone to Russellville and like I said, shot several people. He was arrested. It wasn't I mean, he was an odd person because he was a very violent person, but he quickly gave up to the authorities. And apparently when he was under questioning, I mean, they were talking to him and they sent a sheriff's deputy up to his house, which was north of Dover, uh, you know, to check on his family. And they got there and they couldn't see anybody. And apparently they like went to the mobile home that they were living on, living in, and they went to the mobile home and they didn't, you know, knock on the door and nobody answered. So, oh, nobody must be home. Uh, so they went back to the jail is the story that we heard and then they asked him where's your family and they said a tear came out of his eye didn't say anything a tear came out of his eye and they went "Uh uh-oh and they rushed back to the house and they found bodies all through the house all through the mobile home and he had uh, made the kids dig a latrine and uh, he had put the bodies of children in there the daughter that uh, he had fathered was on his bed um, strangled other two other uh, grandchildren were in the trunks of cars he had like a particular place he put every every person so he was the first case that we knew of he was he, he went through i believe two trials and we thought at that point that it was automatic that if you were convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death that you were your case was automatically appealed from his case he didn't appeal it and that's when we realized there's that that's not what the law says and uh so he 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 did not appeal his conviction and he was executed fairly soon after the crimes were committed so i was not the editor of the story the very first day but pretty soon i was all the way through the executions and as a kind of related to that uh the first execution arkansas had stopped having executions after a U.S. Supreme Court ruling, like many other states, and then, you know, people had to qualify to be executed again. So uh, when Arkansas resumed executing people, I was state desk editor at that time and prepared a whole package of stories about what it was, 
what was going to happen through this process because it had been over a decade since we last executed somebody. There was that story. Another notable story that happened during my time here was the the uh, the murders committed by Mary Lee Rossini. She had killed her husband, and then she had formed an infatuation with the attorney who represented her in that case, and she arranged for the murder of his wife. That was a case that got a whole lot of, of attention from both newspapers and TV stations here. Uh, the Gazette had gotten the confession, had obtained the confession by one of her co-defendants in the in the murder of Alice MacArthur uh, before there was a, a trial or anything. And so that confession was being published bit by bit in the Gazette. John Robert Starr managed to get a copy of the whole confession. And he said, we're just going to publish the whole thing at once. And John Robert Starr was the editor. He was the, the managing editor of the Democratic Democrat Gazette. at the right. time, right. And so uh, he... Uh, so we, everybody in the newsroom was given copies, you know, here, here are the pages that you're going to type up. We had our whole B section filled up with this confession from, you know, from one page all the way to the very end. You know, that that was something. And of course, we went through the Clinton years and the Whitewater investigation. That brought a lot of media from all over the country to hear, to try to interview people, you know, throughout Arkansas. And it was, that was something that kept members of our staff very busy trying to keep up with the details of what was the latest in the Whitewater investigation and the trials that were held there, because there were a few people who were, who were convicted, not directly associated with the Whitewater investment that the Clintons had, but other things that were uncovered during, during that investigation. Then we had what happened after 9-11, we were, you know, like the rest of the country, we're stunned at, at this terror attack in, in our country. And so we were, well, we sent a crew of people up to New York to go and interview our Kansans, find our Kansans uh, in New York to interview for that and also cover, uh, you know, what was happening, wh- who were the Arkansans on the airplanes that were brought down. And then one other notable thing that I can think of was when I was a time, brief time that I was city editor was Katrina happened. And uh, we were very big at that time on covering hurricanes on the on the Gulf Coast. And every day for a month, it was, you know, send the, this reporter and this photographer to this location. And, you know, we would prepare people. We'd run an SUV. We'd load them up with food and fuel and water. We'd, you know, make arrangements for an MREs. We'd, we'd make arrangements for hotels if it was possible and send people into some pretty torn up places to go and bring readers stories about what happened in the aftermath of Katrina. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capital and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1111 
1-800-242-2821 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. I think it's becoming increasingly rare for people to have long careers in the media industry, especially people more my age uh, are leaving for, you know, the journalism stressful. You don't make a lot of money or people leave because of the money or they're laid off or this or that. But you've been in this a long time. Why have you stayed? And was there ever a point where you thought, OK, I've had enough. I'm, I'm going to leave. Like, this is it. What's that been like for you? Well, sure. There were times that uh, that I would get frustrated at certain things that would happen. I mean, you're working in a room full of other human beings and maybe you feel like, you know, you're being ignored. You're not being paid attention to. And, and also just kind of like wondering, like, you know, I wonder what it would be like to work someplace else and go through something else. But then I talk to other people about what it's like at the jobs where they are. And I think, you know what? I really don't want to go anywhere. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, but I will also say about the Democrat Gazette, we have a lot of people in the newspaper, and I should say in the newspaper and in the newsroom, who have been here an awful long time. We have a, a, a lot of people who are the same, are roughly the same age as me, who've been here for decades. Now, that can be an issue because, you know, you've got to have people coming up behind them who will also take up the mantle. The other problem is, is, you know, trying to convey these stories about things that we've done over the years. You know, people, you know, there are there are people we have working for us who were born decades after, well, maybe not decades, but born years after the newspaper war ended. So they have no idea of the intensity of what we were in. They feel like things are intense now, going through the coronavirus, going through, you know, the turmoil in the, in the news industry and the, the way that the news industry is under attack now. But still, you know, it there there has been stress there. What you have to do is learn how to cope with the stress so that it doesn't eat you alive. But the things that always appeal to me about the news business, the cut to the chase here, is that there was something new happening every day. It, it doesn't have to be monotonous. It, there's a new challenge coming in every single day. It doesn't matter what job you have here. There is anything from some news event that's happening to some internal issue, but still it's it's mainly the news. I mean, the, you know, right now we have the war in, in, in Ukraine. Not that long ago, it was the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq. Uh, we had Katrina. We've had uh, these murders that I've talked about. You know, I mentioned a couple of murders during this interview. There were other interesting murders and other interesting things that happened in the city of Little Rock and other cities around here. So there's just, you know, something, you know, really fascinating and interesting that uh, a person can uh, can learn about and get involved with. I always felt like journalism was something of like a, a jack of all trades because you're covering an environmental issue one day and then you're covering some criminal activity the next day. And then there's, you know, some sort of weather event happening. So every day you turn around, you're having to become a, a semi-expert every single day over something. So it's just that that's what, you know, keeps... Uh, keeps things going. We, you know, coronavirus was really interesting in the very beginning, you know, but now it's been almost two years of it. And I know that people are tired of reading about it. I don't know that they necessarily would want to read about the war in Ukraine. That that's not what they would want to pick to, to read about. But that's what we need to be on the lookout for is something new for people to learn about, read about. 
I don't have the data in front of me, but over the course of the pandemic, we've had more closings of local newspapers or local media operations around the country. And you also mentioned, you know, that we have people here at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, including yourself, who've been here for a while, but the issue is that we don't have people coming up behind them. And I think that it previously, job competition has been really fierce for journalism positions in the United States. But you were saying before this recording that getting people here to work is becoming more of a challenge. Getting young reporters in the door is more of a challenge. How do you think that local news is going to survive? How do you figure out what people want to read and, and stay relevant? Well, first of all, I think the thing that we've got to do is find a way to make the make people understand what it is that we do here. And one of the the first things that I did as managing editor was to name one of my colleagues, Glenn Chase, as assistant managing editor for news. One of his jobs is going to be to recruit people. We need people to understand that this is a really interesting place to work, that we're not dead yet. Uh, we're still very much a business. We have some interesting things that we do here. We've got more than 100 people in the in the newsroom alone dedicated to going to go find great stories. You know, thank heaven the Razorbacks uh, basketball team and football team, they're having some good success this year. Uh, the baseball team uh, is very likely to have some success. These are things that people want to read about. They, they follow the Razorbacks. They relish those those stories. So that's what we're aiming for in our sports section always. But when they were losing a few years ago, nobody wanted to read about them. And that affects us. You know, when the Razorbacks win, when UCA wins, when ASU wins, people want to come to the to the Democrat Gazette and they want to, well, they want to read about it someplace. So we want them to come to the Democrat Gazette to read about those things. The challenge that newspapers have always had is their readers do tend to be older people. Not that there's anything wrong with older people, and they've always had a problem with getting younger people to, to want to read the newspaper. And so that's what we're going to look for. We're going to look for having a more diverse audience, a younger audience. And I think part of that starts with, you know, hey, you know, look to younger people. You're coming out of journalism school. You know, you were thinking about going to go work for this firm or that firm. But we have something that we do here that's really interesting. You'll be exposed to things you had no idea existed. There's an education here for you in the way the real world operates. You might not get that working someplace else. So come here and, and give us a try here and see if it's really interesting. Because we think it's interesting. We've stuck it out this, this long. So that's what, I, that's what kind of an effort we're going to make. Do you think there's anything in terms of just the coverage of Arkansas that you, in these specific areas, you feel like need to be increased or that you're hearing from readers, perhaps, whether it be, I don't know, local politicians or environmental issues or just any area of coverage that you hope to sort of bolster in your new position? You know, there will always be things. We've had more reporters here in the past and it seemed like no matter how many reporters we had, we didn't have enough people to cover everything that we thought ought to be covered. So the question here is, is you know, what is it that we're, we're covering now? We're covering a lot of government stuff. That's the way newspapers and news organizations have worked. They've always covered, 
you know, a lot of government. We have three reporters assigned to our Capitol Bureau, for example. That's great because those people are making decisions about the laws that we follow and what our taxes are going to be like. They have a profound effect on the way we live our lives. And we also have someone in Washington to do the same thing with what's happening in Washington. So we're dedicated to finding out these things, Little Rock City Hall, North Little Rock City Hall education system. But we also have a style section that covers, you know, the arts and music and movies and restaurants and museums. And we have a religion section. So we have we have a lot of different things that we cover. And of course, sports. Everybody wants to read their sports. But the thing is, is what are we missing? That's what I'm hoping to do as managing editor and my fellow editors as well, is that we reach out to the community and we come up with ideas about other things that will draw people in, younger people, more diverse people. And digital is a huge buzzword in the media industry, uh, multimedia kind of news organizations, in particular newspapers, having to kind of do it all. From where you're sitting now, where do you see digital with the Democrat Gazette or sort of what are your goals with that aspect of the operations, more digital presence or digital footprint or or just any sort of general goals that you might have? Well, my number one goal is, is for us to be the number one news source in Arkansas. That's the way that we're going to survive and prosper and grow is if people realize that if they want to find out what's happening, that they need to come look at our news product. And so what we have been doing, actually we've been doing this for years, but what we're going to work on doing this even more of is when we're covering things, uh, let me back up. We have a mindset of we're working for the iPad edition. So what we're going to work on is, is like, for example, you have a story that you might be doing and you would give us a few paragraphs that we would put online and then we would say, okay, see the full story in the bar's iPad edition. And so, you know, we're going to continue that effort, but we're just going to keep pushing to do more of that so that if something happens, let's say there's a, a raging fire in downtown Little Rock. You know, we're not going to, well, let's do a story about that and put that in a Mars edition. No, we're going to keep up with what happens with that fire. And so then a person can read the complete story in, in the news edition. So that comes out the next day. But eventually, you know, hopefully what we'll have is, is that we're, it's, uh, I know people, there's some people that don't like CNN and some people who don't like Fox News, but just the idea of you can go to their websites and you can read stories about what's happening today. You see older stories on their website, but at the top they have, these are the events that are going on right at this minute. That's where I see us headed eventually. Sure. And for people who don't know, the iPad edition subscribers get an iPad with their subscription and then there's basically a digitized copy right. on the iPad that would be like reading a physical newspaper. It's just... Yes on your iPad. Right. And it's laid out much like looking like a newspaper. And there are some subscribers who don't want an iPad. Maybe they have their own device that they want to look at, their own tablet. So we do have, you You can look at the newspaper in a couple of different ways. I mean, I can look at it on an iPad. I can look at it on my phone, or I can go to my computer and look at the website and, and call stories up from the website. So outside of work, is there anything else, uh, anything about what what do you do when you're not working? You, you're originally from North Little Rock. 
Right. What keeps you busy when you're not now the boss of everybody here at the Arkansas <laughs> Democrat Gazette and making sure everything runs smoothly? Well, I'm bossing around a house of, you know, with dogs, cats, and horses, and I like to do gardening. A few years ago, it became my mission to save the monarch butterfly. So I raise milkweed and I'll give seeds away to people and plants, and I'll go have talk to people occasionally about, you know, how about the life cycle of the monarch and and I've raised a, a several hundred monarchs and released them. So that's one of the things that's important to me. I like to, you know, work the yard and I rescue uh, dogs, cats, and horses that didn't have homes before. So I live with my husband out in the country and uh, and my son uh, is now a grown person and he's actually working at the newspaper as a copy editor slash page designer. And uh, someone told me that the horses that you rescue, some of them are retired racehorses. I did have a retired racehorse. She's she's no longer with us. But, but one of our horses was uh, was a rescue by the Humane Society of Pulaski County. He was a, a starving uh, colt when he was rescued. And you know something about horse sizes. He was about 13 hands when we got him. Now he's 16 hands. So he's a he's about 1,300 pounds. So he's a pretty big pretty big fella. The other horse we have is a Mustang who was rescued from the Bureau of Land Management. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I do on, <laughs> to distract me from the things going on here at work. Yeah. I don't know which is harder to, to control journalists or, or horses. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. We really look forward to everything you're going to do and best of luck in your new role. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Capital and Scott with Allison Hogue, our new managing editor of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And we'll be back next week with a new episode.